0: So where was I? Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? Hey folks, it's good to see you, I think, if you're there. I don't even know. It's been a while. It's been like a year. Yeah, it has been a year. Holy mother of goodness gracious. Well, uh, (laughs) it's been a year. (laughs) I don't even know where to begin. Uh, So the last time we chatted... um, I believe my good pal Tom and I were doing a, uh, some sort of Christmas horror show extravaganza or something along those lines. And uh, yeah. And then what happened was uh, this kid started working for uh, some new company and they took up, uh, you know, a solid 13, 14 hours a day of my time And so something had to give and I'm really sad to say that it was this, it was this show. Uh, yeah. So that's, so let me start from last year. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So I don't even see, I'm like rambling now because it's been a while and I'm trying to, uh, trying to get back on the horse, but it isn't really like riding a bike. Um, so last year at the end of the year, I, uh, accepted a job with a company called recur and man, I'll tell you for, you know, I've worked at a lot of companies in my life. Some big, some small, some new, some established, whatever. This was a startup. It was referred to me, uh, from a friend of mine who worked there and she had worked there for a few months prior and, uh, they were getting into the web three nft space and you may not know web 3 but you probably know nft non-fungible token <laughs> oh my god what a fucking, what a nightmare <laughs> um so here's the thing you know this company started up and they were like the the new hotness of everything and everybody was talking about them and everybody was talking about nfts at least everybody in their sector was talking about them i should say So, you know, I went through like the four and a half week interview process, interviewed with, you know, have to be a dozen people. And they brought me on to be their brand manager for one of the coolest things I've ever worked for in my life, the Star Trek brands. And I'm a big Trekkie. You guys know this, right? I mean, I don't have to get into it, do I? Do I? I will. Don't threaten me. I'll do it. So I start working on Star Trek. And it was awesome. I mean, it was exactly what you'd imagine. Like it was, it was fun. The people there that, you know, made the wheels turn and were the cogs, uh, were amazing. Um, really cool folks. I met a lot of fun people, artists, designers, uh, producers, uh, you name it. Everybody was really cool from top to bottom. Um, and the company was like, <laughs> um, It reminded me of the years, years and years and years and years ago uh, at Upper Deck when, you know, Richard McWilliam was in charge. And this is going back to like early 2000s when Yu-Gi-Oh! was still a thing. And it reminded me how people used to think, because Yu-Gi-Oh! made a lot of money. And uh, dare I say was extremely profitable (laughs) for what it was. And I think, I could be totally wrong about this, but I think that the company at that time was making like $600 million a year in revenue from Yu-Gi-Oh. From Yu-Gi-Oh. I could be wrong, but it was some astronomical number. Like It was crazy numbers. I know that for sure. Um, and, you know, the players and the the communities and all that, That what cracked me up is like they used to think it was if we're making, let's just use that number, $600 million, that we brought in 600 Like, that's what we made. That's what we have doesn't really work like that but that was the uh that was the like the sentiment from the community like we'd open the door there was one uh meme back before memes existed i think it was a gif back then where uh there was some Yu-Gi-Oh player like opening a door and behind the door was just gold all gold all the time just falling from the from the rafters and filling the room so recur kind of was like that <laughs> If you will, they had a bunch of money, supposedly. Again, I don't know what their financial situation was uh, totally. I know they were valued at some like $330 million valuation or something along those lines. It's all public knowledge, folks. Look it up if you care to. Um, But on the surface, everything was like really, you know, everything was great. Um, They paid well. Uh, there was a lot of people working there and they did this thing where they ramped up real quick. So, uh, they went from like six employees in February of the year I got hired to like 150 employees or 200 employees or something along those lines within one year. So they, they scaled up really quick, a little too quick. If <laughs> You want my opinion? Uh, but I was one of those people that got scaled up, so I really can't complain, but I will complain. Uh, so yeah, anyway, um, the problem was it was run by frat boy children people. (laughs) So, you know, when that's the case, I don't think you have to go into it, uh, really into the weeds and I won't, but at the end of the day, when I say that, I think you kind of get what I'm saying, right? Um, they had this mantra and it was really weird. Uh, it was, it was fun at first, but then it got weird. So the mantra was. Every time there was a meeting or an email or something like they forced you to put this, that rocket ship emoji in your, uh, email signatures in any conversations. And we had like these, um, uh, company wide meetings. And by the way, it was all remote. So I should point that out all remote, fully remote, which was really great. I'm a big fan of remote work. Uh, I do it well. I do it all the time. Um, doing it now. Uh, but I'll get into that. But the rocket ship emoji again, started out like kind of, kind of neat and clever. Then it just got weird because like it had to be in everything. And it it had a meaning. It was like, we're the best. We're the rocket ship, uh, the NFT rocket ship. Okay, whatever, dude. So when we hold these company wide meetings. It was like there was no substance to them. There was no, this is what we're doing. This is what we're working on. These are the licenses we have. And I should point out that they were like a big licensed company. They had colleges from all over uh, the country. I don't know how they acquired all these things, to be really honest with you, because it was based off a very unproven field, uh, NFTs. <laughs> you know? But NFTs were hot. And you know, there's NFTs that were selling for $2, 3000000 million. And so everybody thought that, this must be the thing in any case. Uh, like during these company-wide meetings, the there was no substance. There was no structure. Well, there was a structure to the meetings. Like HR would open. Somebody would talk, uh, blah, 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 blah. You know, talking heads would come out and say, cheery, rah, rah things, but it ultimately boiled down to this. People were just saying, we're the greatest. No one can touch us. Fuck yeah. Fucking recurs the best. And literally those were like, these were things that were said in the meetings, you know, recurs the fucking best. Nobody can fucking touch us. And like, that's cool. Right. To say that every now and then I get it. Like you do have to inspire people and rile the troops and, you know, start getting people excited for, you know, their work environment. Sure, I get it. But that's just what every single meeting was. <laughs> it was it, it was weird and after a while, after a few months, people started thinking like like there was this underlying level of chatter going, "Hey, um this is all cool and everything, but what are we doing?" <laughs> like what what are we actually doing here? <laughs> and you know, we we're making NFTs and all that kind of stuff. Um but in terms of like the top down leadership, people were questioning what's going on. Like, cause all we're doing is patting ourselves on the back, and there's no real like transparency or even information. Cause maybe transparency is not the right word, cause not every company needs to be transparent, nor should they, nor do they have to be. Um, but there was just no information. It was just like, we're the best, we're awesome and that's a very frat boy attitude, right? I mean it is. Come on. Give me a break. So, long story short. Uh Well, maybe long story long because fuck it, it's been a year, right? Don't you want to hear what's going on? So, in any case. Um in my time there, I was I only worked there 7 months, I think. And in that time, I changed roles 4 times. <laughs> <laughs> he started out as a brand manager, went to, a, a content manager, uh, whatever that means. Um, became a producer. Uh, and then, then it was like a product manager. It's, it was weird. It was like, it just, they didn't know what to do. And now I should say, cause I, I, I said a blanket statement of leadership was, you know, not that great. There were some people that were amazing, um, there was one guy in particular. His name was Kevin Zia. He was amazing. He was a good dude. He was a good dude. Like he, he knew what he was in charge of like the production of everything that was going on. And he, he knew his stuff. He totally knew his stuff. He seemed to care about all the people. I didn't know him that well. I only worked with him pretty briefly actually, but you just get the, the sense that people know what they're doing and you kind of get a gist of what they're, what they're made of. And to me, Kevin was just a really solid guy. Um, there was another couple guys who were like really in the higher ups that were, they seem to know what they're doing, but like the main leadership and I won't name names, <laughs> but there were like three guys in particular that just really didn't impress, um, people skills were nil and, uh, just kind of not very nice people, um, reminded me of some other folks I've dealt with in my, in my day. Uh, and I wasn't the only one that felt that way. It was kind of a clear, uh, across the board sentiment, if you will. Um, but the thing that I think tipped me off that nobody really knows where the ship is going is, um, you know, fairly new company and, you know, money should be budgeted and spent wisely. And again, this is just me saying it, not necessarily, I was not, You know, in charge of any of that by any stretch. I was just a dumb brand manager on Star Trek, which, by the way, Star Trek is awesome. And working on it was a really kick-ass experience. And I love the people at Paramount. They were amazing and still are. And I'll get into that later. But when there was a company retreat uh, in April of 2022. And again, a few months after I started there, there was this company-wide retreat. It was in San Antonio, Texas. They pulled out all the stops, man. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, very. We went to like a Marriott resort on a golf course. And like the whole company was there. They closed down a bunch of the hotel just, for, or I should say resort just for us. It wasn't just a hotel. Um, you know, and it was, you know, everybody was flown in, blah, 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 blah. It was, you know, all the stops. And there was like really good dinners and really big this and big that. And one of the... <laughs> one of the um one of the nights we went to some ranch and uh you know that was just a big we're the greatest ever and we're going to show you how great we are by showing you how much money we have and they gave out and this was interesting and i know what to make of it it was you know you think like well the company really believes in its employees based on what's about to happen but at the same time you go is this really wise is this really the best use of our money so they gave a dude who had been there for like a few months? Um, like it was like forty thousand dollars or something, like a forty thousand dollar check, just because he was awesome, you know. And I don't know what he did. I don't know what his. I don't know what his role was. I have no idea. Couldn't tell you because there were so many people. Nobody knew who did what. Um, and since we're all remote, not everybody. It, you only knew the people you worked with. You didn't know everybody in the company. But this guy got a $40,000 check. And then like five other people got like five or 10,000, whatever it was. I could be wrong on the numbers, but you get the idea. It was a ton of money just blown out. I think it was to show that we can do it. We're the best. We have all the money. We believe in people. And again, you're sitting there watching this. You go, well, that's kind of cool. You know, I mean, I guess that's, it's better than a Starbucks gift card, right? For like $5 or even better, a Starbucks gift card for like three (laughs) bucks. So when you buy your skinny vanilla latte, Uh, you have to make it a small or a tiny, whatever their fucking numbers are, their sizes over there. Uh, Because if you get the size you want, you're going to have to pay extra money. So it's better than that. But it did pose pose the question of, is this wise right now? I don't know. We're still kind of new and we're just hemorrhaging money. You know, that weekend probably cost whatever, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, You know, we went to a Star Trek convention in Chicago shortly after that. And, you know, this convention, we've all been to shows, right? We all know, we all know how many people go to these things in some cases, take the case of San Diego comic-con, which I would argue is one of the largest um, in America, if not the largest in America, it's like 200,000 people when it's all said and done, you know, between in inside the building, outside the building, on the streets, in the water, in the show, upstairs, downstairs, like 200,000 fucking people. Gen Con, for example, is about 75,000. Um, there's shows in Europe that are thousands. And then there's smaller ones too. They're like 20,000 people, you know, 15,000 people, whatever. It's still a lot. But this show in Chicago, um, it was called Star Trek Mission Chicago, I believe. And it look, I enjoy, I went. Okay, I flew out there. I went to the show and all that. My team was out there and that was great. I think it was like a 1,000 people through the entire turnstile of the thing. It just wasn't a lot. And that's not a big deal. It's just that if it's going to be a show that has like a thousand people, I don't know if we should be spending, you know, a hundred thousand dollars on a booth there. <laughs> you know, And it's that kind of, uh, which I think we did. And again, the number could be wrong. I wasn't in charge of that uh, over there, but I think that's a number I heard being thrown around. <clears throat> you know, it just didn't have an impact. And so anybody who goes to shows knows if you're going to spend that kind of money, I'm not saying don't spend that kind of money on a booth. If you can afford it and you think the impact is going to be, you know, valuable for you, get a return on investment, do it. But this one just wasn't, there was like nobody at the show and the people that were there were very casual and like just Star Trek fans and they were pleasant and awesome and everything. Um, and you know, Paramount was there and they were awesome and pleasant and everything. But, and you know, they liked our booth, but it just didn't really make a lot of sense to me. So, That was kind of the whole, uh, that was like the gist of it. Um, but during that, during that, uh, company retreat, (laughs) this is the part that got me, uh, there was like, you know, a couple of, couple days of where, you know, there was a very structured event. So, you know, eight o'clock it's this nine o'clock it's this 10, 11, fine. But during one of the days we had this big, you know, company, Uh, meeting and you know the owners and the the leadership were up there telling us what their you know big plans were and it didn't like it didn't seem like they understood the economy (laughs) of the world because they said within 10 years we're going to be at a trillion dollar revenue you know trillion dollar revenue stream for the company for recur and Look, I, I, to be fair, they were very cutting edge in terms of some of their technology, in terms of how they were looking forward into the web three space. And when I say web three, okay, let me, let me break it down really, really simple. If web one was like late nineties, early two thousands of AOL and whatever all the crap was net zero. And all, remember when we used to, when we used to get those CDs in the mail, sign up for AOL right now. Okay. Well, that, that was like web one when you would go into a, uh, a chat room and type to other people. Um, Hey, I'm, I'm here in California. Where are you? Oh, you're in Missouri. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was like web one, right? Web one. When you, my first computer that I was using could not load an image. Okay. And not a video, not anything extravagant, like an image couldn't do it. Couldn't be done because there were no graphics cards. (laughs) Okay. Uh, at least for me in any case, um, that would be, that would be web one. Web two is kind of sort of where we were at about 10 years ago. Um, you know, kind of where we're at now, even with, Everything is like available at the touch of your fingertips. You can get anything you want. Web 3 is looking more towards like the VR aspects and everything that's, you know, going to be in a virtual world environment that you can live in and be in and all that. That's Web 3. So these guys were looking towards Web 3 as what their goals were. So I get it. I mean, that's cool. I I admire, you know, forward looking as opposed to stagnant or living in the past. You know, like I do. (laughs) however when they say like we're gonna make a trillion dollars i think to myself um does amazon make a trillion (laughs) dollars does does amazon make that much because if they don't i don't know if we're gonna i'm just saying uh and surely enough Surely. So that was the point when I saw like, and they wrote this down, like they handed it out on cards and we have it and everyone's looking at it. And I'm, I'm seeing this, I'm looking around the table. I'm at, there's like maybe 10 people at my table. We're like, did he just say a trillion dollars or did he say like a gazillion dollars? Cause to me it might get kind of about the same thing at this point. Like why not just say $8 trillion? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because i mean i don't think it was very attainable so you might as well shoot higher than a trillion why not just say a bajillion <laughs> you know so it kind of that was like the point where we were like i don't know these guys understand what's going on not not really really sure in any case uh very shortly thereafter um well let me, let me take a step back from that, that part of that chapter of the life, because I'll get into the, the remainder of it a little bit later. Cause what happened next is, you know, we decided, uh, taking a step away from work for a moment, uh, in our household, you know, we lived in San Diego forever, lived in San Diego, lived in the past. We lived there forever. I lived there for like 42 years and you know the house we were in was in a fine neighborhood it was a great house no problem Um, but you remember like the riffraff right you remember me talking about all the riffraff those motherfuckers who lived a couple doors down the the people with the ambulances and the fire trucks remember them the riffraff those pieces of shit well I think there was a point I may have talked about this in the past but I'm going to give you a little refresher right what happened was there was a SWAT standoff one night (laughs) You know, and like our street was blocked off and, uh, you know, the, we couldn't go outside. There were guns drawn, the people, and it was all because of the riffraff, you know, somebody was like drinking and somebody had guns and blah, blah, blah. So I think it was at that point we decided, I think we need to leave. <laughs> and this was, you know, around November of 21 or something like that. So I'm sure I talked about it. Um, but so we started looking, we started, <clears throat> started uh looking on the internet seeing where we want to go and we kind of settled after a while in two different places south carolina or tulsa oklahoma only big difference is old pal pete Shirey lives in south carolina old pal pete and uh my wife's family is you know ha- she has family in tulsa oklahoma so we went through and we looked at both and we decided on tulsa for you know a couple of reasons. Um, so we came out here in January of 2022 uh, I say here because I think you know where I'm getting at so we flew out here we started looking at some stuff um found a uh found a house we liked and <laughs> the funny the funny story about that um we came out here and we found a house that was being built. I did not want to necessarily buy or build a house. That was not in in my purview. I did not want to do that because labor, like we're in a weird time, and uh, labor costs are high. Um, supply shortage is a real, and who knows how long it's going to take. So uh, we came out here and we saw a house that was already framed. Right, and what I mean by framed is the wood was up like the structure of the house is up. It didn't have any drywall or anything like that, but the framing was up. So I'm like, well, that's, that's like a uh, halfway done <laughs> already. So we saw it. We liked it. Boom. Uh, we liked the neighborhood and we signed the papers for it. Great. Perfect. Now we just got to go sell a house. And uh, like before we left, we were only here for like two days, something like that, two or three days in Oklahoma looking. It was like over a week. I think we flew out here Thursday, Flew home Sunday, like got here Thursday afternoon, flew home Sunday morning, whatever it was. You you get the point. Well, before we even left Oklahoma, I think we signed the papers on like Saturday. And then on Sunday they called us and we're like, um, Hey, it turns out somebody else wants a house even more. Uh, so can you pay more money? We're like, oh, go fuck yourself because we already signed the papers. You guys agree to it. And, uh, they said, well, we're going to give these other people a shot. <clears throat> Great. Go fuck yourselves. We're not going to pay you anything. We'll just find a different house, but thanks for wasting our time. And, uh, so about a, you know, we kept looking about a week later, the, and it's the builder that, uh, called us and said, look, we feel bad. <laughs> we feel bad. And I'm thinking like, oh, so there's other, there's other people like, did they bail on you? And so, uh, they said, no, 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 they're, they're going to buy that house, but we want to build you that same house in the same neighborhood. And after going back and forth again, won't bore you with the fucking details, but after going back and forth, we decided, okay, we'll do that. So then we go to sell our house. Now, this is the fun part, right? Because now you've committed to, we're going to move. We're going to leave California. We're going to sell our house in California. We're going to move somewhere else. Now, immediately... Everyone thinks the same thing. Oh, you're selling in California, and you're moving anywhere on the anywhere else on the planet. You're just gonna buy a castle, and you're gonna buy it outright, and everything's gonna be good, and you're gonna retire, and all this stuff. Not really true. Not really true. Uh, turns out prices in Oklahoma. And by the way, so look, we moved to Oklahoma. Right there, you go. Uh, so we're in Oklahoma. We're not in like it's not a fucking farm. <laughs> We don't live in the country with no one around. I know old pal Bob would appreciate that kind of thing. And those places do exist out here. Believe me, they really do. It's called green country for a reason. I don't know what that has to do with what I just said, but it's called green country as well. Um, And there's certainly areas where you can have have a home, buy a plot of land, have a house on it. And like there's no one around for like a mile in any direction. It's just that's what you have. There's certain that totally exists out here we live around the corner from a Costco and a target. (laughs) So it ain't quite like that. You know, the, the homes, I mean, I'm looking out my patio window and, uh, you know, there's a home. mm, I could hit it with a baseball, no problem. But again, they're not like 10 feet next to each other. Uh, like we have a huge yard and all that. And, you know, there's a lot of space in between homes and everything, but there's in my little neighborhood here, there's probably 50 homes total in our development. And, uh, that's fine, but it's not like in the sticks. So I guess my point is prices here are not that cheap. I mean, they're cheaper than California, obviously where the fuck isn't, but it's not like there, you can come out here and you know, take out your pocket change and, and buy a plot of land. That's not really how it works. But anyhow, uh, so we sell our house. We, we start to, again, the fun part is we have now committed to, we're going to leave California. So we got to sell our house. So anybody that's in the San Diego area, I will tell you, um, we went with this dude that was on TV that we saw, we interviewed him and all that. Matt dot Batiata, com. We had that guy sell our house. And, you know, I, I I don't have great luck with realtors, apparently. I just don't. And this was no exception, I'm not going to lie. He was a nice guy and all that, you know, and he had connections and everything. But, you know, when I sold my house prior to the last one, when we lived in San Diego, when I sold the house before that, it was like, it, I felt like the realtors made more money than we did. You know, and then they were not amazing. Fancy and bike pants, bike shorts and fancy is what we used to call them. Um, and then with Matt Badiata, it was kind of the same thing. Like, he was good, sort of. I mean, he sold the house eventually. So that's, you know, I guess that's the goal. Um, but I never got the, uh, the impression that they were really marketing the house to people that just, I don't know. I just didn't see like the the big explosion of marketing, especially for, for San Diego. So I don't even know what to, to say about that. So anyway, uh, what happened was, so yeah, we decided, you know, we're going to sell we, this Matt Betty out fella. Now this was what? February, February of last year. 2022. And uh, as it turns out, uh, we sold at the highest part of the market <laughs> that we could possibly have, apparently, which was lucky. Oh, Jesus, I just knocked my whole table sideways. I wonder if you heard that. And, uh, you know, great. You know, we sold our house. But, like, the, the interesting part now is like, you got to pack up your fucking life. Like, that is that's a challenge. I don't care. I mean, it really is a challenge. It was a challenge for me because now our, the house that we bought out in Oklahoma was supposed to be done in August. So this is like February of 22. The house is scheduled to be done actually the end of August. So one of the deals we had was we can stay in our old house until June. So we had some time to pack up. We didn't have to do it in a weekend or any kind of nonsense like that. And, uh, (laughs) so you know it's it's a disruption of your life right i'm trying to work we're trying to pack we're trying to deal with the new house like it's a whole thing but like you know people do it we're not the first ones we won't be the last ones you know it's just but it's like a now it's a shit part of life (laughs) because you don't have your stuff like i started packing away uh whatever i mean Like all my games, all my, my, my microphone had to get packed away. So that, that was one of the reasons there was no Brenzor's dead. Um, but the microphone has been unpacked and here we are now. But yeah, it's like you start packing away your life and it's in boxes. Then you're living in boxes and then, you know, it it just, it sucks for a while. It sucks. So we were there until June. Now. The funny part is, uh, at some point the house became the new owner's house and we're, we're living there because they weren't, we sold it in February. They had like a 15 day escrow. So like 15 days after the house, actually, they put an offer in that we accepted 15 days later, they owned it and we're just living there. So, you know, we're living in their place at some point. That's what it boiled down to. So we're trying to like, you know, be nice and respectful and we cleaned everything up and all that but here's the thing, because <laughs> there's always a fucking thing. The, uh, at one point, <laughs> this, it kinda, it's funny, but it kind of sucks. And it, it sucked for us. And it probably sucked for the new owners, too. Um, I go out one morning, and we had a bunch of boxes in the garage. And I look down, and I see a bunch of fucking water. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. What's going to happen to my stuff? What about my stuff? you know, my stuff is in those boxes. What's going to happen to it? Not realizing that like, you know, the dude who owns a house, he's got to buy a new water heater now because the water heater busted right when he buys it. Isn't that a bitch? You buy, you buy a house and literally before you move in, the water heater breaks. I guess if you're going to, that's the better time for it to happen, I suppose. Right? So I start calling the, uh, I start calling the realtors and I go, hey, you know, someone's got to get in touch with this fella. Cause I didn't, I'd, I'd never met him. I didn't have his contact information. I mean, it wasn't, the deal wasn't brokered through me. So the, we get, you know, the guy gets in touch with and they tell him, like, hey, the water heater broke. So now, um, I have to be the guy that like makes this new water heater situation happen. And, You know, I'm dealing with their insurance and I'm like the mediator, right? I'm I'm the mediator. At the same time, we're still living there. By the way, when your water heater breaks, what happens is you lose hot water, (laughs) okay? You lose what is called the hot water. And let me tell you, folks, let me tell you, uh, hot water is a a luxury. Uh, Don't take it for granted. Don't. Do not take it for granted. Uh, it is something that when you have it, you go, oh, it's, I'm, I have it and you don't know, give it a second thought. When you don't have hot water, that's some next level fucked up stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you because take cold showers every day. Okay. Don't be able to wash your hands in hot water and get them germs off. And you know how important I think germs are. So, You know, I'm going back and forth and like, it's taken, you know, the, somebody's got to come out, they got to look at it and then they got to assess it. Then they got to report back to the insurance company. It's a whole thing. So it got to a point where somebody came out with uh, a water heater company and they're looking at it and they go, well, we're going to try to, we'll try to get one in here. It's going to be about a week. Um, and they said, but we can put a temporary water heater in for you. So at least you have hot water. I just have to get the, uh, the new owner's approval. And again, this is because it's a brand new house for him. It's covered under like his warranty that you get when you buy a house in California, you get a year's warranty with it, et cetera, that, you know, all major things are covered as long as it's a, you know, something happened. It doesn't cover like act of God, but it covers like if a water heater breaks, for example. So this dude, I'm standing with the plumber in the garage, right, or the water heater guy. I think it was a plumber, and he calls up the new owner and says, "Hey, I'm here. We're gonna replace it. It's gonna be about a week. Um, do you want me to put a temporary water heater in here for the folks that are currently living here?" And I'm I'm standing next to the guy, and we had a pretty good rapport. Like he had been out a couple of times in the house, and I talked to. Him. Matter of fact, he was a gamer. Um, he saw some of my stuff. He was a little bit of a Star Wars fan. So we he saw some of my shit in the garage. We are chatting about that. Cool guy. So I'm building a rapport with the plumber, right? I'm building a friendship with the guy that's going to do work in the house, which I highly recommend you do when anyone's doing stuff in your house. Don't be a jerk. Don't be that. Don't be that person. Trust me. Be the person who goes, hey, can I get you a water? <laughs> right? So anyway, we're building a rapport. And the guy calls the new owner and says, I can put in the new water heater, but it's going to take about a week. Would you like me to install a temporary one? Okay. At no cost to you, sir. Right. So, <laughs> so then the, I hear the plumber go, really? And he's on the phone and he, he, he's talking to the phone. And he goes, really? Are you sure? I, I said it wouldn't be any cost okay, and this is, I'm hearing this, com- this part of the conversation. This is what I'm hearing. I'm not on the phone. I'm standing next to the guy on the phone and I'm hearing him go, uh, you sure? Okay. That it's not going to cost you anything, but you're sure you don't want one. Okay. Okay. So he hangs up the phone. And I go, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and he goes, dude, I can't, I can't put one in if the guy doesn't authorize it. I said, "Well, what's the problem?" And he goes, "I don't know, because it's not going to cost him anything." So the short of it is, the new owner said, "No, don't put a a separate a temporary water heater in there. Um, Let the people who are staying there let them have cold water, like motherfucker." So, but it's his house. I can't say anything about it anymore. It's his house. So for a week, uh, I would, you know pick the boys up from school, come home in the, you know, in the afternoon, uh, you know, my, so we typically shower like in the evening, um, before, like, look, I've talked about this. I gotta, I gotta wash the stink of the day off me. You know, uh, I shower at night. Therefore, when I get into bed, I'm clean. Okay. So we've instilled that habit in our children as well. So they get home, they get shower And that was, and look, my kids are clean. They like being clean. They're very, uh, they're very adamant about cleanliness and they call it, you know, their hygiene routines. You know, they got to do it every day. Well, I'll tell you when it came to cold showers, they were like, fuck this, (laughs) this sucks, man. So I just had to tell them like, here's how it's going to go. We came up with a system to where it was the least intrusive for their little bodies to have cold showers. And you're probably thinking, yeah, but it's San Diego, man. Yeah, well, it's San Diego in, you know, February, March. Uh, It's not like the hottest time of the year. Uh, Matter of fact, it was still pretty chilly. And the water was not naturally warm by any stretch. It was naturally really cold. So we came up with a system. They hated it I, because I did do the same thing. I had to do the same thing. So basically what it was is you hop in the shower, you turn on the water for a second, you get your hair wet, you wash your hair. Okay, and then turn off the water while you're standing there with water dripping down your body and your back and it's cold and you can't do anything about it. And then you turn on the water and you get all the crap out of your hair. And for me, It was horrible because I have a regimen, right? I got a shampoo and then I got a condition because you've seen the hair, right? I mean, you've seen it. I have to condition. If I don't, it's going to look like a Brillo pad and we can't have that. So it was rough. It was rough for a week. But after that, after that week was over and we got uh, the new hot water heater in that we didn't own. Oh, was that glorious. So Needless to say, uh, when it came from that point on, when it came to like, do we do a little extra (laughs) for the new owners? I don't think we're gonna, I don't think we're gonna. So even, even still, um, these guys are wild, man. These guys were wild. Uh, you know, when we left, we had everything out of the house, but, um, you know, I kind of drew the line because we didn't have the hot water thing and all that that we weren't going to like sleep on the floors at the very end. You know, we kept our mattresses till the end. But what I did was, uh, the day we were actually officially leaving, I called the, I called the company that was going to come and pick, uh, up some trash and some things like a refrigerator that we weren't going to take that was actually kind of broken anyway, the mattresses and all that. And they said, okay, all you have to do is wrap the mattresses up in plastic because COVID, you know, so you had to wrap them in plastic, like they were fucking dead bodies. Um, you know, and then make sure that on the day we come, uh, which was going to be like the day after we left or something, the, just put them out in the driveway. All you have to do is put everything in the driveway. They'll come and get it. Okay. Great. So (laughs) the day we're leaving the, uh, the new owners were, uh, they came in and like, they saw the mattresses that were in the garage and they were like, so disgusted by the fact that there was trash in their house. And I was like, I get it. I hear what you're saying. Now, if I just left them upstairs or something in a bedroom and there was like, you know, crap everywhere. I hear what you're saying. First of all, the house was spotless when we moved out. Number one, because I cleaned it myself. Uh, Number two, any quote unquote trash. And what I mean by trash was there was a refrigerator. There were four, four mattresses, I think. They were all wrapped in plastic. um, And there was no, there were no like trash bags or anything like that. It was those items. All they had to do was the following day. And by the way, they were not moving in the day that we had this exchange. I want to point that out. They were not, they were just there to like inspect the house and make sure like, you know, we didn't throw a party or something like that. They weren't moving in for like another week or so, Uh, but they were in town. And I told them, all you have to do tomorrow morning, I said starting at 6 a.m., Uh, make sure this stuff is out in the driveway. And then someone I've already paid someone to come and grab it. Holy shit. You would think like I burned the fucking house down. Like it was just, they were so put off by the fact that they had to do something. And I get it. Some people are like that. I suppose if it were me, I would have been, okay, well, we're not moving in. So this is, this is, none of this is going to be in our way. And tomorrow I'll just take it out to the driveway. That's the end of it. The guy had to move it about 35 feet. And uh, apparently that was too much. And the fridge was on wheels and all that kind of stuff. So before you start thinking, well, it might have been too heavy for him. It wasn't. So <clears throat> the the sad part is that left like a real, like, just bad taste in our mouth from when we left. Anyway, so we left that house, okay? So this is now in like... uh well, no, I guess it was closer. No, yeah, this was June by the time we left. It was June 5th or something when we when we actually left the house. And um we were going to leave San Diego on June 11th. So we had to spend a week in a hotel. Now. <laughs> I know there's a lot of people out there that have families <laughs> and maybe pets. Um And you go on vacations and you spend time in a hotel. I get it, but typically that doesn't mean you go to a hotel. Your whole stays in one room uh, with a dog, and we love our cloudy. We do. She's the best dog, and she was really. She was really good. She didn't make one. She she was not the problem. (laughs) She was not a problem. Um, So we spent a week in that hotel. And it was, I mean, at the end of the day, it was fine. It was the thing that, you know, you talk about with your family and you go, oh, remember that time we spent that week in the hotel, blah, 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 blah. And it was okay, except for one night, except for one night. There were, so there's two beds in the hotel room. Um, you know, and the dog, you know, slept in one of the beds. It was like, you know, me and one of the boys and Candace and one of the boys because they wanted to do like sleepovers. That was their thing. And look, they're queen beds. So uh, it's just two adults in a queen bed. Like, I'm sorry if you have a queen bed and you're two adults. I get it. Like, that's your thing. It's too small for me, man. I got to have a, a king if I'm going to sleep with another adult and in a bed. So because we're just going to be kicking and, you know, whatever. I'm six foot four. You know, my wife's not short by any stretch. And, you know, it's just, it's too hard. So each of us slept with one of the kids. Um, And one night I'm sitting there and, you know, our, our boys were still, they still go to bed early. I mean, they still go to bed about anywhere between seven 30 and eight on the regular on any given day. So we're lying there. It's about seven 30 and, you know, I'm sleeping with one of them. Or I'm I'm on my computer, sitting in the bed with one of them. Let me rephrase that for you, fucking monsters out there. And he's sleeping next to me, and you know everything's fine. We're just watching TV. One of the kids is the other other boy is up, and you know we're all just kind of keeping it down because one of them to sleep. And I look over, and he's kind of rustling around a little bit, and didn't give it any thought. And uh, next thing you know. He sits straight up, looks at me, and just barfs everywhere. (laughs) Everywhere. And I am shocked he didn't barf all over my PC because it was in my lap. And he got it everywhere. Everywhere else it went everywhere. And it was a lot of barf. (laughs) He just he look he does this. I'm sitting there. I'm I'm on my computer. I'm just like d- d- tooling around doing something. Probably something for work. And he just sits up. He was dead asleep because he was snoring. He sits up, he looks at me, like he's still asleep, but he looks at me and then he goes and <laughs> just barfs everywhere. So I have a hard time with barf. I really do. I could do poop over barf any day. And I don't like poop. Let me be clear on that. But I could do poop over barf. So he barfs. He kind of falls back to sleep. And now he's in it. He's in his barf, right? It's all over him. It's on me, which I have a real hard time with. And it's certainly all of the... The hamburgers and the pizza and all the stuff we've been eating all week because he's just, you know, we don't normally eat like that, but no, oh, we're in a hotel, we can't cook, blah, blah, blah. So we're eating all this garbage, and there it was for all of us to see. A week's worth of barf right there. And uh so finally we wake him up. like in, you know, he's he barfs on we walk him into the bathroom, he barfs on the way to the bathroom. He gets in the bathroom, barfs in the bath. I mean, I felt so bad for this kid because, you know, I mean, that's, that's a rough beat. But at the same time, now we're in the barf hotel, (laughs) right? I mean, we're, and when I say we're in the barf hotel, we're in the barf in the hotel is what I really mean. So, all right. So now we go into like, okay, how do we, how do we fix, how do we fix this? So one of us is, you know, in there with, with him in the bathroom and we, you know, get him in the shower, start cleaning him up. This is what you do. Uh, Folks, if you don't have children, um, or if you do, and they're really, really young, this is what's going to happen. Okay. If, if you do have kids, you know where I'm coming from. If you don't, And you're trying to, or you're thinking about it. This is what you're in for at some given point. Something like this will happen. Uh, And if you do have kids and they're young, it's coming, folks. It's coming. Like a big stream of barf. It's coming. So... I decide I'm going to, all right, we're just going to fix it. So I take everything off the bed. Now, luckily nothing soaked through at this point because I was pretty quick about it. I took everything, you wrap it up in a ball and you set it outside the room like any good hotel guest would, right? That's all you do. That's what What else can you do? I call the front desk and I take everything off both beds. Like everything's gone. Everything in the, in the hotel is gone. Now, first of all, I'm not a big fan of just hotel mattresses in general because they're hotel mattresses. But now I'm like, you know, sitting on it and it's, oh my God, it's a whole thing. You you, you know where I'm coming from. So I put everything out in the uh, hallway. I call them up and I go, look, I'm just going to be straight with you. We had an accident. All right. <laughs> we had an accident. There was a lot of barf involved. And uh, the front desk was like, look, it's cool. We get it. And God bless them. Okay. And I'm, I'm going to give them a, a shout out. It was the, um, uh, Hilton Home Suites, I believe. And this was in the Carlsbad, California area on Palomar Airport Road. Hilton Home Inn or Hilton Home Suites whatever. They were like, look, we get it. It It's not the first time. It won't be the last. We'll be right up with all new stuff. And what I mean new stuff, they got new comforters, new sheets, new everything. They came in. They did it. They were cool. They took the old stuff away. I mean, just spot on spot on much better than the dude who didn't pop for the free water heater right so okay that episode ends and uh the next morning wake up and this was a uh, this is like a monday and all of our all hands for uh, all hands meetings at work were always on friday i wake up first thing monday and there's a big email all hands all hands monday morning By the way, we're leaving San Diego like on Tuesday, right? We're leaving the next day. So (laughs) go to this all hands meeting. And one of the frat boys, this is why I wanted to come back to work, right? A little bit later. One of the frat boys, these all hands meetings were typically 30 minutes. um, Pretty much on the dot. People were very good for whatever reason about the, uh, you know, about the meeting times and everything. So this meeting is scheduled. We hop on there one of the frat boys comes on and he's just like, you know, he, he this is how long, this is what it was. And I'm, I, I'm not going to say it verbatim because I just don't remember, but you're going to get the gist. <laughs> he comes on and goes, and again, remember all these meetings were all like, we're the fucking best rah, rah, rah. rocket ships and recur and fuck. Yeah. And we're hiring. We're going to make a trillion dump, all that stuff. Right. Okay. He comes on first thing. He goes, because of a monumental shift in the NFT market, we're having a massive layoff today. Your manager will be in touch. Click. That was the end of it. Company-wide layoff right then and there. Right? We just sold our fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we put money down on another one. Okay. Well, all right. Uh, that was it. That was the gist of the meeting was... He comes on, he goes, because of a monumental shift in the NFT market, we're having a, a massive company-wide layoff. Your manager will be in touch. Click. That's how we found out. Uh, so, yeah. So, when I say their people skills weren't the best, nor were their professionaliz- professional skills or professionalism, whatever you want to call it, business acumen. Uh. Yeah, that was some next level bullshit right there. And... Uh, That was it. And so they you didn't know, whoa, is that everybody? Is that some people? Is that me only? I don't know. (laughs) So within about 15 minutes, so I'm on email and I'm doing and you know, I had a company computer, they sent out computers there. By the way, one of the one of the ways to save money, folks, with your if you have your own business, you don't need to buy everybody in the company a Mac. All right. I mean, a PC is just fine. Right. And they spent probably four times what they needed to on their computer expenses because they sent out Macs to everybody. I mean, just come on a $600, a $300 PC would have been a Chromebook might've been fine for all I know in any case. uh, So I'm on my Mac and I'm sitting there and as I'm, I'm talking to other people on my team, I'm like, does anybody know what's going on? Like, no, we don't know what the fuck's going on. As I'm doing this, I see like my access starts getting revoked as I'm typing, like my access just starts going away. Like I can't get on Slack. I can't access this. And it's like one by one, my accesses are being revoked. I couldn't get into any of the, you know, my files or anything. So I kind of got the gist that I was part of that layoff. And, uh, turns out it was quite a few people actually. Um, it was most, of the people from my team with the exception of a couple that they, you know, kept around like the creative director and, um, the one of the executive producers on the team and all that and kept a couple of artists, but everybody else got the boot. Uh, most of the people from around the company got the boot. So it was just a nasty way to do it. Right. But they did it that way. So the next day we're on a plane to Oklahoma to start our new life. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Um, I think I'm going to leave it there for now because I will tell you this. I will, I will leave you with one more nugget, but I'll tell you why I'm going to stop. We're flying, right? We got the dog. We got the dog. And our dog is lovely. We love her to death. She's a little tiny thing. Little pretty, pretty princess. You know her cloud, right? And, uh, but she has an aversion to like being put into a carrier. She just ain't having it. And this little 12 pound dog turns into like some kind of fucking giant beast of an animal, like the, the Ghostbusters hellhound, uh, when you try to put her in one of these things. And this little 12 pound dog was like, I'm not going in this motherfucker and you're not going to put me in it. And I'm going to show you how I'm not going to let you do that. Now she doesn't bite or anything like that, but she can, I I don't understand how a 12 pound dog can become a, a block of cement with legs that are immovable. I don't understand it. It's a feat of nature. It is incredible. However, we ended up getting her in. And then we got her to the air. And by the way, we kept her with us. We didn't put her under the plane or anything like that. And also because, uh, she was so small, the vet recommended no, like no knockout pills, no knockout treats for cloudy. She's just going to be up the whole time. And you know, we, so we were concerned, but we did it. And, uh, so we get, we, we put her in a carrier and this was like a soft carrier, but it was like, it had room and she can move around and it was great. And she it sits right at your feet. So <laughs> the whole time, you know, we get to the airport and the, the gate agent, first of all, is like, not the gate agent, the, the, when we're checking in and all that, getting our seat assignments and all that, she goes, okay, now the dog needs to be able to turn around in the, in the carrier. We're like, well, we can't really tell her to, she can, you know, she can't, she has enough room. Like you could see she has enough room. I know, but I need to see her. I need to see her do it. Okay. Well, that's not a command we've taught our dog. So I don't know if she's, so we're like, we're telling her, turn around, turn around. And she's like, what the fuck? I'm, I'm, I'm barely in this thing. I'm under, in a, under protest. Now you want me to do tricks? So after like 10 minutes, I think she finally turned around. We're like, did you see it? Did you see it? Okay, great. So then we go through security and obviously we're TSA. So we blew through that except for the part where the TSA people go, oh, the dog has to come out of the carrier. Like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> do you know what you're asking? Do you know what, cause we, got ha- we have to, you know, put the carrier through. So they got her, we got a private room. My wife took care of it. She did it. She got her out got her in. Don't know how, but she did. Then we fly to Dallas and like the cloud was amazing the whole time. I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. She didn't make a sound. She didn't bark. She didn't make a, she was just great. We get to Dallas and like, we're, we're like, okay, Dallas to Oklahoma is like, 45 minutes, if that, no problem. We have an hour layover. Everything's on time. We're in good shape. We're just going to grab a quick bite to eat and then we'll just wait and be good. So as we're deciding this, I look down, Oh, there's cloud just outside of her carrier. Just standing there. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) How did this happen? How did this happen? She just, just got out. Don't know how everything was zipped up and everything was closed and everything was perfect. And she's just like, Nope, I'm going to get out. And for a second we're like, cause she's not really a runner, but you know, nervous in an airport, who knows? And we look at her like cloud, be a good girl. Don't move. And of course, like we're trying to talk quietly and like calmly and we're in a fucking airport. Right. Anyhow, crisis averted, picked her up, put her back in. It was fine. And we got to Oklahoma. Now, what happens then is a whole nother show. This is me back from the dead on Brenzor's Dead.